Kyle, can I get a test, test, test? Test, 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 test. Jack, can I get a test, test, test from you? Test, 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 test. Oh, we got everybody loud and clear, baby, loud and clear. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Pipe It Up podcast. Cue the intro. All right, we're back again. Kyle Schultz, myself, Tommy Coughlin, and Jack Agner here on the mics tonight. Me and Kyle are in the basement in Brighton, Michigan. Jack, on the East Coast, out there in where? What, what's the, what, what city are you in, Jack? Providence. It is Providence? Providence Rhode Island. So yep. how, how close are you to the actual University of Providence? Um, I could probably hit the gates of the campus with a football. Really? <laughs> yeah. Literally right one so, street over, basically. So. <laughs> That's crazy. How big And is I got that? a cannon of an arm. Yeah, I know you do. You're like Uncle Rico. You can throw it over the yeah. mountains. But, um, exactly. That's surprising. How's that? Like, is, do you guys like go over there to like hang out or and stuff, or do you not really? Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, um, most of the time it's pretty cordial with the Providence students, it's but um, a cordial group. We'll definitely people. we'll definitely mix it up with them, and it's not anything that's like, um, you know, it's we're rivals, obviously, but when mm-hmm. it comes to social life, usually it's pretty, uh, like I said, pretty cordial. Okay, pretty cordial. Maybe once in a while you throw an egg at their house something like that yeah every once in a while maybe we'll run into a little bit of an issue that he's <laughs> dealing with but uh nothing too serious okay okay good 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 it's all fun right it's all good fun all good fun just like when i tell Dear, dirty dan that he sucks and dirty dan does suck because I had him lined up today for a big guest appearance haven't seen that kid in an age an age and uh he texted me about 30 minutes ago saying hey tom i haven't eaten all day i don't feel good so Dirty Dan's sitting two floors above me here in his room, probably playing Xbox or watching TV. I can sense his presence, and it makes me feel good and warm inside, but it's not the same, Dan. I wish you were here next to me. Maybe I'll have to sing him another sad song or something like that. I don't know. What, what, what can I do to, to get to get some time with Dan? It's just tough. Kyle? I don't know. Bring him fishing or doing something with nature. Yeah, unless I'm bringing that kid golfing or fishing. He's just, he never never wants to give me the time of day. I don't know. What's I'll the, bring Dan golfing, teach him a lesson. You probably could. You probably could. What is your golf game pretty solid? Yeah, I went golfing over the uh, over the weekend. Um, there's a course right down the road that you can't beat it. It's a it's a par three course, but it's only ten bucks to play. And oh my that's god, really, uh, it's a really important part of your game. You know, it's it's all pretty much shots from mm-hmm. inside 150 yards. That's, so yeah, I like going playing there every once in a while, but. For ten bucks, you can't beat that. I mean, come on. Can't beat it. Is that for nine holes or is that? Yeah, it's like a nine hole course. That's still totally worth it. Ten dollars for nine. My God. Yeah. But, all right. Enough chit chat. We'll get into some wiffle. Um, phenomenal series we had take place that was uploaded to YouTube uh, last Friday. The NLDS between the Eastern Eagles and the Great Lakes Gators. Uh, I was not disappointed at all with the with the gameplay with the competitiveness. And um, the Great Lakes Gators took the series by a score of two to one. They won in Game Three in extra innings, courtesy of the Brendan Zerlag two-run home run. I believe it was in the top of the fourth, yep. as the editor nods his head at me. You guys don't even know how good Kyle's memory is in his brain of just everything that's <laughs> happened over the years. Not even just this year in the last video, but just years and years and years. No, that was a great series, and it had a lot of fun editing it. Um, big shout out to Zerlag. I didn't mm-hmm. realize at the field just how clutch he was in that series, but he had all the RBIs mm-hmm. for the Gators in that series. He had the RBS single in the game one, mm-hmm. and then the two-run home run, like you said, in the third game. Yep. Um, that was a series where it was like it was so pitchers dominant, but like if you made one mistake, that was the game. Yeah. Like even in game two, Dallas had the two-run shot, mm-hmm. but Jorgensen was on in that game. He had like eight strikeouts, yep. and he it was just a matter of like 
if you hung one pitch, that's, yeah, that's it for you. That was what stood out to me, too, right away, was obviously the Gators pitched well all series long, both Cheatham and Jorgensen. But I give a lot of credit, too, to Daniel Schultz, who pitched the entire series with, you know, I mean, he has a good arsenal, yep. but, you know, we, we all, we've all seen him over the years. We know what he's got, and he just does such a good job of keeping hitters off balance and somehow manages to keep his team in ball games when it matters the most. So um, big ups to Dan. I know he gave up the, the home run there to Zerlag, but um, a phenomenal series on his part. You cannot, you cannot complain about Daniel's performance if you're an Eagles fan, I don't think. Um, Eagles just didn't capitalize with runners in scoring position quite enough. But, um, Jack, what are your thoughts? Yeah, you can't really uh, you can't really put that on Dan. He gave it he gave it his all. Um, like Kyle said, like we had said on the podcast, we knew that Zerlag um, had been having a good year, but was also going to be sort of that could be that um, that extra piece to sort of launch them um, into the World Series if possible, if they're able to uh, beat the Diamondbacks now, if he's able to have another good series, but. Um, I thought it was interesting. Like this was one of those series that I wish I could have been there for because I felt like um, there were a lot of strikeouts that um, like didn't hit the zone. Like they mm-hmm. were swinging on pitches that were actually balls. Yeah. And part of me, like watching the video, was wondering, you know, what were those counts like, or what was the, you know, what were the pitches before those. Um, that that final strikeout and were they just trying to like defend the zone like what was going on there so that was something that like I was kind of uh, just kind of like popped into my mind when watching the video Mm -hmm. yeah based off my remembrance of the series you know like we said it was a it was a pitcher dominant series just a couple hits decided the outcome Um, so a lot of strikes are being thrown you know pitchers are pounding the zone Um, most of the guys were sitting you know Upper 60s, low 70s. Daniel's a guy who sat like right at 72 all year long. We saw he had several warnings in that series, but it never really cost him. He always gets that one warning and then sits right at 72. So, yeah, I think the reason we saw a lot of guys chasing is because they were behind in counts, you know, and pitchers had proven that they were able to command even their some of their nastiest stuff into the zone. We saw Cheatham throwing disgusting 12-6 curveballs. Mm-hmm. Jorgensen was bending in that little slide drop he had a couple times there, getting guys looking. And Daniel, as always, putting his risers right where he needs to. So, dude, Tom Cheatham in the playoffs, and you saw this in the post game like overlay like label mm-hmm. in the playoffs in his career. He is six and zero as a pitcher. Oh my goodness! Sub one ERA. I think he's got like twenty. Or what was it? Between it was a lot of strikeouts and only like twenty something innings pitched. Six and zero in the playoffs in his career. That's yeah. unbelievable. That is crazy. He's been so solid, and um, you know he's obviously he's a good hitter too. So just having the arm too makes him un- unbelievable. This takes away from my my joke that I thought I had because I mean they pitched so well that series. But I was thinking to myself after I watched that video of like the meme. I think it's like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles where it's the old what's his name the Splinter. old guy yeah Splinter, Splinter and then I was the four it, turtles yeah 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 so yeah. twenty twenty was Jorgie and yeah. Cheetah and then <laughs> it was Zerlag and Rose now it's Zerlag carrying them. That's funny. But yeah, it's funny. Good verbal meme right there. Tom. Good That's verbal funny. meme. But, I mean, they're still a great – it's not like the other two aren't doing anything. You know, they shut the Eagles down all day long outside of that Dallas Allen home run. Um, I wanted to touch on his performance too. I think you could see through the video that Dallas was frustrated with his performance. But, honestly, I don't know what his final stat line was of the day. I'm guessing he probably had a mid-upper 100 batting average in the postseason. I think so. I think he had a couple hits. A couple hits. To be honest, I don't think there's too much that kid can hang his head about. Um, he battled all day. He kept his composure for the most part. Played great defense. It's a high-pressure situation, you know, for a young kid. Postseason game, season on the line. 
Um, I don't think he made a single error out there in right field where he doesn't usually play. Made two great catches yeah, couple, on high flips from Daniel. A couple nice plays at first base. Hit a big home run that won him the game in game two. Hit a couple other balls hard in the left field. So I think Dallas is frustrated and probably still is with how that, that the outcome mm-hmm. of that series and how he played. But I don't think there's too much that um, the rookie can be mad about in a broad sense, especially if you're an Eagles mm-hmm. fan. Can, keeping in mind that kid's only 16 years old. And that was his first ever postseason series. So, and I would like to defend Daniel for um, pitching all of those games. I think that was the correct decision. I saw some some comments saying, "Why didn't you have Dallas pitch to like throw off the Gators or whatever?" Mm-hmm. But I mean, if you lose game one, now your your back's up against the wall. You want your best pitcher pitching yeah. to get you the win, which Daniel did successfully. So you right then and there, it's you know it's one one, and then you know all what bets are, are off. You just go with Daniel it's again so for hard. game three. You don't put Dallas in that game three situation. So I think Daniel made the correct move there, despite all the comments saying otherwise. And yes, you can think about that decision beforehand, but it's not like it, as the series is progressing, you it's can't a heat like, of the moment. You decision. can't sleep on that decision. We're playing those games back to back to back, so yep. like just like as you guys as you guys watch it, it happens very quickly. So um, and I, I feel like that's been the case uh, for every single team this season. Is like you have a plan for your pitchers going into the series, and it changes depending on how on how game one went. Like sometimes mm-hmm. pitchers are hot and they want to keep the ball. Sometimes you know guys get onto them, so they want to yep. take a break, get their number two in there, and then they come back in game three, which I did a lot this year. So mm-hmm. it's a you know different different styles each team has. Jack, you made a comment um, in a few episodes prior that you thought the Eagles would... I think we both agreed the Eagles would beat the Gators. We, we knew it would be a good series, but we were both wrong. But you thought the Gators had a better chance of beating the Diamondbacks if they were to make it to the NLCS. Um, now that they're in that position, do you still think that there's a shot based on their performance in the last series? Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, Kyle highlighted how how great Cheatham has done in the postseason um, pitching, and we all know what he can do at the plate. And I think uh, with with Zerlag kind of stepping up and and really earning his having his shining moment this season, like mm-hmm. this is by far the best I've ever seen him play. Me too. Now that's that's three very difficult bats to uh, to go through if you're Jimmy Norp or uh, Jonah Heath, whoever is pitching. So I think certainly the Diamondbacks have the upper hand, but I still stand by my take um, that the Gators have a better chance of beating them than the Eagles would have had they have won. Okay. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that series. Diamondbacks were red hot coming into the playoffs. Um, they haven't played now in a while. The Gators are coming off that big series win. Um, one thing to mention here, and I'm forgetting my train of thought. Oh, um, the Gators, if you think about it, they've only been a team for three years, but these three guys, this team has never lost a postseason series. It's true. In their first year, they didn't make it. They were... A dumpster fire of a franchise, similar to the Detroit Lions, soft subject, but um, they never lost. They won all three last year, or no, just two last year, right? They won. They won oh. all. They won all three yeah. series. They were in the DS. Yeah, they were in the DS last year too. So they were three and zero last year in the playoffs. As you said, Cheatham's never lost a, a game in the playoffs. Now they take care of business against the Eagles. So I don't know. Maybe this team's just built for the built for the big moments. And the Diamondbacks haven't really had that many opportunities like this. So Cred- credit to Brendan Zerlag. It all goes back to that 2020 draft. It really does. I mean, Chris yeah. Cheatham, Brendan Jorgensen, two guys that just have great wiffle ball IQ and can perform in the big games. That's actually Respect. that's actually important to, important to mention here because some teams that go down or like don't make the playoffs, thinking, "Oh man, like what's next? Like this is not looking good." It's been my favorite team for a long time, and now they're not winning games. They don't look like they used to be. What what's going to happen here? But Daniel Schultz, let's be real here. 
he took a team to the playoffs um, with a lot of his older guys. He incorporated some new guys. And I think if you're an Eagles fan, you have to be absolutely thrilled yep. with the future of this franchise. It seemed like a transition year. Absolutely. And they did a good yeah. job. They were, they were already solid. Mm-hmm. You know, you call it a rebuild or whatever you have, whatever have you, I should say. But Dallas Allen they're showed on, that he is, right a, he is a great player. We saw flashes of Blade Walker in that last series against the Gators in the regular season. Um, so I think Daniel Schultz, I said this many times now, but he knocked the draft out of the park. And uh, I'm really excited to see how the Eagles develop and uh, evolve over these next couple seasons. Yeah, they'll evolve. They'll still have the old guys that you know and love, but they'll also mm-hmm. have the new guys. I think Daniel's doing a good job of progressing them into the lineup. I think what really impressed me the most this year was uh, Dallas Allen's dedication. Very dedicated player. That was one of the reasons that um, we were talking about the draft class and what we were looking at. And I told Daniel, and he, I think Daniel thought this too, but mm-hmm. we didn't really know how many series Dallas was going to make. A guy who's still playing travel baseball um, at a pretty high level, I believe. So, you know, tournaments are on the weekends, and a lot of this Eagles series were on the weekends, or he also lives an hour away on weeknights. But that guy found a way to get to the Meadows almost every single mm-hmm. series, which was super impressive, and um, I think that's one of the difference makers of developing into a good whiffler to a great whiffler, just the yeah. dedication. Yeah, and for everybody that's playing in our tournaments that wants to eventually get drafted and play in MLW, dedication is honestly the first thing we look at. Mm-hmm. You could be, like, the super super talented kid, have all the pitches and hit everything, but you just you don't show up to, like often to maybe you play in a wiffle ball league or you play with your friends or mm-hmm. or something like that. I don't know, but if you're not dedicated, we're just not going to draft you. Jack, when I think of dedication, I'm gonna be honest. I think a lot about about you and the Magic team. Um, when you came into the Predators, and this applies to that whole entire team, I should say, but that 2016 Predators team yep. when Jack joined the roster, you, Brennan Russell, Alec Warda, who was the other guy? One more. Jake Crespi was 15. He, I think he showed up a couple times in 16, but it was mainly Jack, Russ, and Warda in 16, I believe. Really? I feel like there was a fourth guy. Maybe I'm wrong. 16. I think it was mainly us three. Yeah. Okay, but regardless, I feel like none of you guys were like natural born baseball slash wiffle ball talents, but you guys just Very never fail to show up. Always have a great time out there. A lot of passion, a lot of enthusiasm. And we saw yeah. you in the, ALS, in the ALDS, Jack. Just, you know, putting the ball in play, hitting the ball hard. And Trevor talked about your leadership, which was a stab right in my chest. And <laughs> seems <Trevor's> so happy. <laughs> but it's true. Like, it really is true. It's just a backyard game with a little hand-eye coordination. And, you know, you don't need to be the strongest guy. You don't need to be necessarily the most athletic or anything like that. You got to just be able to get the bat on the ball and uh, see what can happen. So I think you're living proof. And Dallas Allen's a guy who's clearly talented and he's dedicated. So that's a recipe for a, a great career. But yeah, I, I just... I agree. Like the dedication is totally what we look for. Like Kyle said, like it doesn't really matter what you can do. If you don't show up, then we're not going to be able to see you perform. So, mm-hmm. and that dedication, that competitive spirit will lead to success. Yeah, that's what I'm um, In ask the you. end, like when I started out, I was really bad. Like mm-hmm. I could not hit a ball, but, you know, I stuck with it. I was just my competitive spirit. I love. Like, just the whole thing of wiffle ball. I was very in- intrigued by the league, very interested in it, and, like, stuck with it. And now I think I've at least made a decent name for myself as a mm-hmm. batter and maybe a fielder. Definitely not a pitcher, but we got we got room to work there. But, well, I think um, it, yeah, I just think sticking with it is important. And even when you joined back in 2016, you know, there was, there was some eyes on us. There was that platform which can give you the, the motivation, that spark to make something happen. And I was actually just having this conversation with Nate Lies, who was once a Mallard, we were driving back to Bloomington, and I was like, what's sick about, like, college football? And this applies to us, too. Like, you know, not a – we're not all pros. We're not pro athletes with multimillion-dollar contracts. But, like, I was talking about the Michigan State versus Indiana game, and I was like, you know what's sick about college football? I was like, this is just a bunch of college kids out here for the most part. Not all of them are going pro, 
but they're out here playing in front of 50,000 people, and, like, there was this guy on Michigan State, like, a linebacker. I'm like, he's probably not going pro, but he just had a pick six on the road. Like, that's on TV. Everyone's so hyped. Like, that's so cool just to look back on that moment and be like, dang, I had a pick six in front of 50,000 people against, like, yep. some future NFL players. So I think that applies it's to us hard. as well. Like, the U.S. is the only country that values college sports, oh, sports yeah, I know. to this level. It's, I, it's really, honestly, stupid. You can't find it anywhere it, else. Me and Jack talk about the power of sports and how it can inspire yeah. you and, like, give yeah. you goosebumps, and it's crazy. So I think you probably caught that, that bug from MLW in 2016 when you came in. Your average wasn't good, but you hit a couple homers, got the boys hype, and probably got some love in the comments. So I think that's addicting. It's an addic- addicting feeling, you know? Absolutely. I would totally second that. As soon as I hit my first home run, I was like, oh, I'm sold. Like, yeah, I'm, exactly. I'm, I'm in this. I'm exactly. in this for the long haul. Exactly. This is so awesome. And you're right. I think just having that platform, maybe getting a little bit of positive feedback in the mm-hmm. comments, like when I was first, like, I don't really read the comments very much anymore, but definitely when I first started, the oh, league, yeah. I was scrolling through all of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that certainly, uh, you know, fed into or, or gave some addictive feelings towards uh, towards the competition of it all. Yeah, absolutely. All right. As promised last week, we didn't have Jimmy Norp on, but I really, really wanted to hear from this kid on that amazing experience he had on TBS a few weeks ago with all those legendary baseball players. So it is now time to give the man, the myth, the legend, Jimmy Norp, a phone call. TC3, what's going on, brother? Oh, there he is. I love the sound of your voice, brother. How you doing? I missed it. I'm good. I'm good. How are you? How's Jack if Jack's there? Oh, Jack's there. He can hear you, but you can't hear him. I'm doing great, Jimmy. Thanks for asking. Well, tell him I said what's up. Oh, yeah, he hears you. He hears you. (laughs) It's an an awkward dynamic we have here. I'm looking for a better solution, but we had a Zoom call thing that we tried, and it uh, bugged out our audio, so here we are. But I had to get you on the phone, Jimmy. Obviously... You had probably one of the cooler weekends of your life, so I, I prepared a few questions for you to keep this to keep this civilized, <laughs> as I am one of the best podcasters in the world, some would say. So, first thing I want to say is, on that plane to Atlanta and the weeks building up to this experience, were you nervous deep down for this experience? Tom, I was not nervous until the morning of the day we were shooting. I remember I was just... I was completely like freaking out when Kyle first told me. And then he told me I wasn't even allowed to tell anybody. So I was like, had to keep it all to myself. But it was crazy. And I told Kyle, like, on the plane ride down there, like, two years ago, I wasn't even a part of MOW. I was watching you guys on YouTube. And now I'm flying to Atlanta, Georgia with Kyle to pitch on TV. It was nuts. A boy, a ball, and a dream, as a famous TV <laughs> baseball coach once said. But okay, so not too much nerves, but a little bit building up to it. Now, Beyond the experience of what you actually did, pitching to the players and all that kind of stuff, were there any like of the athletes there that personalities like really stuck out to you or surprised you from who you met? Yeah, well, I knew they're all nice guys. Like Curtis Granderson, I mean, if you know me, you know I'm a big baseball guy, Tom. I know everything about baseball players and athletes. But Jimmy Rollins, like he was cracking jokes. Right? Those guys made us feel comfortable like right away. Like we probably met him 30 minutes before we were actually started filming and we were just talking baseball talking up and like after about 10 minutes it was like i'm no longer starstruck by these guys like i view them more as my peers you know it was like it was cool to be shooting with them i mean pedro martinez was hilarious the first thing he said to kyle he shakes kyle's hand he goes i'm the goat <laughs> so kyle knew who the real goat was that's so funny i know because i am the goat. hilarious because he, he must have he must have read the, the notes goat. saying that like yeah, i'm considered all, the goat so the first thing he said to me was like, really, I'm the goat. i mean he gave us like a lot of good advice Gave Kyle some contact information, which he didn't have to do. He went out of his way to do that. 
so no, they're all super nice, welcoming guys. And I mean, they definitely every all my expectations were met and more for sure. That's cool, you know, because you never really know how those things are gonna go. At least I, I never really had like. I've never really met, like, an idol of mine or anything like that, but, you know, you can right. see someone on a screen and think, like, a conversation's going to go one way, and then you can meet them and be underwhelmed, or maybe they're, like, different than what you thought they'd be, so, but it sounds like you had a super positive experience. Right. I mean, I, I think Kyle probably already told you this, but, like, after we were done shooting, we hung out, we watched baseball with those guys, we watched a whole playoff baseball game with them, it was, like, that was the coolest thing for me. That was a dream come true right there. I was picking those guys' brains left and right, asking them questions throughout the whole game. Yeah, Jimmy, yo, Jimmy, yo, Jimmy, it's Kyle. What's up, man? <laughs> no, I, I still I tell Tommy that I think it's the funniest thing ever when you corrected Rollins on that that baseball stat about Corbin Burns. Oh. I still think I know that was like a very tiny thing, but I thought that was so funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, as That's you guys legendary. know, all the fans know, but like baseball is my life. Baseball is on at my house right now. Like I'm talking to you right now, Tom, and I am watching the intro to the playoff baseball game tonight. Like Red Sox Astros is on my TV right now, mm-hmm. so it's it's my life. And I mean, yeah, I think. They said something about a pitcher, and I corrected him that was the wrong pitcher. And then I asked Curtis Grayson, I was like, how many teams did you play for in your career? And he's like, seven. I was like, let me see if I can name them. And then he read them all like 10 off. seconds, and he was like super shocked. He's like, no way. Guys, he got all seven teams. Guy, it was crazy. If I'm ever in a baseball trivia scenario, Jimmy, I have a lifeline to call someone. <laughs> yep. I know exactly yep. who I'm calling. So you yeah, better have your ring around at all moments. <laughs> yeah. Always, Tom. I always pick up the phone when I see TC3 calling. Oh, that's good. That's so nice of you, Jim. Um, what was your main like takeaway from the experience? When you look back on this moment five years from now, ten years from now, what do you think will stand out to you the most? It's a good question. Let's see. All right, I got it. You know, you know what was super cool for me, Tom, is I'm sitting there, and I said it on the broadcast, and if you would ask me two years ago, I'm sitting there teaching Pedro Martinez how to pitch. That blows my mind. In my opinion, he's got to be a top three baseball pitcher of all time and i'm sitting there teaching him how to pitch and he's like actually trying to learn what i'm telling him it was nuts yeah jimmy so what definitely I, stands out to me jimmy what i loved about that is that he looked genuinely interested in learning how I to know. pitch this wiffle ball like the, the the baseball like the gene is still in him to learn and succeed in anything baseball related that's what i loved about that little that little part of the, sh- yep. the segment yeah I, I think i yeah ahead, i jim. think i texted i think i texted you and tom that yesterday i was like those guys we're genuinely having fun playing they had a with great ball. time. Like, they don't get to do that anymore. So it was something like we gave them like a cool little break. I feel like you could tell they had fun. When Pedro Martinez struck me out, he was actually fired up. He was clapping. He was super excited. So it was awesome. I know. That's what we were saying. We said he got flashbacks from 04 right there when he struck out <laughs> Norb. So, so funny. I'm just another member of the New York Yankees lineup. Don't yep. forget that. I mean, exactly. Yeah, that was for sure cool. I mean, obviously they have amazing jobs that millions of people out there would kill to have. But, you know. Things can get repetitive, and you know sometimes, even though it's your dream job, work can feel like work. So having a cool little transition to something like that out of their normal routine, I'm sure that was fun and uh, refreshing for them. Right. Right. Okay, so one more thing I had jotted down to ask you is, I know as a player, I'm sure, and I hope that your goal is, is to bring the Downtown Diamondbacks a World Series championship, but beyond the actual games in MLW, like, do you have another goal in mind or, like, a bucket list experience you want to accomplish before your time is said and done here in the league? I, I kind of asked this to Kyle last week, but that was more on, a, like, a business or slash commissioner standpoint. But you're just a player in the league. Right. And like you said, you've only been here for two years. So, like, after that where experience do we go from here, over, Jim? Yeah, where do you what do you want to do next? Yeah, I mean, obviously I want to win a ring. I won't, I won't retire until I win a ring, that's for sure. But, I don't know, that's a good question. I would, I mean, I told Kyle this at Illinois last year. I was like, I just want to be a big part of the league, you know? Like, I can see myself doing this for a while, even when I'm done with college. I want to stay in the league for as long as possible. 
But as for like bucket list wise, I don't know how it gets much crazier than this. Like this was nuts for me. So yeah, it's a crazy. great question. I would definitely have to think on it. We can uh, we can, we have a little road trip coming up in a couple of days, Jim. We can uh, brainstorm yeah, then. A little eight-hour trip. Looking forward to that. Oh yeah, I'm thrilled to sit in the car for eight <laughs> hours after sitting in a car for six hours this past weekend. <laughs> Where'd you go? I took the same roads we took a couple weeks ago back down. I went to Bloomington for the <laughs> MSU game. So literally the same roads oh, almost yeah. past Indianapolis. But Jimmy, thank you for your time tonight. I appreciate it. I know the fans for sure appreciate you having um, you coming on here as well. So um, I wish you a good rest of your week and uh, go D-backs. And I'll see us on the clock. Hey, go D-backs, baby. Let's go. Good to see you. Good to hear from you, Tom. All right. See you, Jim. See you, Jim. See you, Kyle. See you, Jake. See you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It wouldn't be a week without another Q of the day. Q. 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 Q of the day. If you would like to submit a question for Q of the day on Pipe It Up, please submit them to at Pipe It Up MLW on Instagram in our DMs. And shout out this week to Corey Cordasco for his question. I think this is a first time question asker on the show. First Q of the day. So uh, congratulations, buddy. And it's actually a two-part question, and I'm feeling generous, so we're going to answer both. I don't usually double up, but uh, it's your lucky day, bud. So he says, first of all, it's a long question. Take a couple paragraphs here, but I'll read it all so Kyle and Jack have some good context. I am a big Rutgers fan, and with MSU Rutgers this Saturday, this was weeks ago, I'm interested in your guys' opinions on this. Coach Mel Tucker has adopted Keep Chopping as a slogan slash gimmick, which has been a Rutgers saying since 2005. Do you think Mel Tucker is a fraud for taking a slogan from another school, or is it fair game? So obviously we're going to generalize this and talking about like quotes that are being used by multiple coaches or bringing up different things. So the first thing that comes to my mind is P.J. Fleck. Yes, yeah, roll the boat. PJ That's Fleck. what I was going to say. Yes. So I think of a guy like P.J. Fleck who kind of had his big rise to stardom and attention in the college football space at, at a Power 5 level at, here in Western Michigan. And his whole thing was row the boat, like just keep rowing, that kind of thing, to get the team motivated, like never stop rowing, row the boat. So everyone in Michigan, probably even nationwide, was row the boat, row the boat. Western Michigan, a small school, was like 12-0 and that year, almost won their bowl game against Wisconsin. So it was a super cool thing and a super cool movement. Then he gets hired by Minnesota, and then, then like a week later there was Minnesota t-shirts that said like row the boat. So like that's, a di- that's the same coach at a different spot, but I don't know. Is that like cheesy to you, Kyle or Jack, or what, do you th- what are your thoughts on that? Because to me... He should have started a new thing there and like mm-hmm. left row the boat to Western. That was Western Michigan's thing. Like people there still say that. I I, I I think it's fine. I don't know, Jack. What do you think? You're more of a you're a football player. Would you th- would you think it's fine if like uh, you're at a team and this new coach comes in with a slogan from a previous school? Would you be Would you be kind of like feeling a little bit weird about that or no? I feel like I wouldn't. I wouldn't really feel that weird. I mean, if that's part of that coach's mantra or like identity, and he's gonna bring it to our team and have it make a difference, which I think P.J. Fleck did at Minnesota as well. Um, you know, I, I I don't really see anything wrong with that. I'm sure the the old school might get a little butthurt Yeah, about I'd, it, I'd be but, butthurt for sure. That's my thing. Yeah, but Roll I mean, if you, don't, if, if you don't have something that's like 
so original for your school that it couldn't be applied at other schools, then you shouldn't really get that angry about it. Okay. In my opinion, like row the boat, like you could say row the boat. You could just chant row the boat at any football game if you you want to. It doesn't have to be Western Michigan or Minnesota. Mm -hmm. So if it's not like specifically applicable to your school, for example, roll tide Mm -hmm. or hook them horns for Texas, like, if it's something that's it's if it's something that's more general than that, I I wouldn't really uh, I wouldn't really mind. And what about the whole coaches like stealing a slogan or a gimmick from another coach? Does that bother you? I mean, yeah, this whole Mel Tucker's a new coach at Michigan State, and he has a lot of different quotes and dialogue that he uses to get the guys motivated. Me and my buddies always make fun of him and and like say him over and over again to the point where we beat him to death, but we think it's funny. So. I don't know. I guess I don't have any really strong opinions on it, but I will say that, yeah, if I, if I went to a certain university or played for a certain coach and then he went somewhere else and then gave the same, like, gave the same experience to somebody else, it's like, I don't know, it makes it feel less special. Deja vu, Olivia Rodrigo. Come on. <laughs> it's the same thing. Somewhere else. It's not fair. It's That's not, it's not it loses its, uh, it loses its, it's, it's like meaningfulness to me. I don't know. I'm a Western Michigan Yeah, no, student. I see I, that. I, I like, I see it. what you're saying where it's like, you identify the saying with the school and then like mm-hmm. he leaves. Yeah. But like in the case of PJ Fleck, like was Western, like did row the boat mean the same thing to Western Michigan before he got there? Or did he no, really make I, row I, the boat what it was? I, he brought it there. That was his thing. And he made, he made it what it was. Yeah. So in my opinion, I mean, he's he got it. the authority to take it with him. He owns it. That's right. He <laughs> I, owns guess, it. I guess you're right. <laughs> Without PJ Fleck, they won the one in 12 games. So maybe Jack sold me. Good salesman. All right. Now <laughs> sell me this pen, Jack. I can sell water to a speedboat. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, this is the more prevalent question I think we'll have stronger opinions on or more to say about, but it's a two-parter. I wanted to respect that. But he said, because I've played college baseball, I've heard a ton of different slogans by coaches for motivation. So from our experience, us three playing sports, are there any motivational quotes that stick out to you? And Jack, I want you to start with this one. I've heard so many um, motivational quotes. I think... Hmm. I don't know if I could think of one specific quote, Mm -hmm. but in terms of getting excited and getting locked in and being ready for a game, Mm -hmm. the, the, this is crazy because I've played obviously like division one sports. The thing that I think of most is in youth football, we had Mm -hmm. a young man on the team, one of my good buddies, his name's Austin Ford. Uh, he would they know they know. lead the team through the Drew Brees breakdown chant oh, that was for sick. the game. Good for if him. You've ever seen, if you've ever seen that clip, mm-hmm. it's kind of a long breakdown thing, but it's very electric, very energetic. Always got the boys going. And that's something like I always think about in terms of like getting excited and getting motivated before mm-hmm. a game. In terms of like motivational quotes like the one that i also always think of is it goes something like every day uh every day in africa a a lion wakes up and knows that he must hunt a gazelle or else he will starve oh, I and like every that. day in africa that gazelle wakes up 
and knows if he doesn't outrun the line, he will die. And it doesn't matter if you're the line or the gazelle, either way, you better be running. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I've heard heard that one a couple of times. That one always comes to mind. You did a good job. You didn't butcher anything like that. But yeah, I I guess I'll ask you a follow-up question before I go to Kyle or myself too. But like, yeah, how much is like the pregame hype of like a coach or even like another player, like a captain, does that affect, you think, not only yourself, but the players? Like, is that a huge thing for you or do you think it's overdone? No, I think it's, I think it's very real because there's a lot of different ways to approach it. And I've actually been a part of teams that have gotten so excited and so hyped up before games that we actually come out and are kind of like flat mm-hmm. almost because we've lost our energy in the pregame yeah. excitement. That mm-hmm. would really happen to our team in high school for lacrosse. Mm-hmm. We would get there way too early and be like listening to music and like jumping around. And then we'd come out and we would be horrible for the first half, like so mm-hmm. lethargic, unenergetic, and so there's a very fine line between like getting the, like understanding the team, where the team's at, at which point in the season, like the importance of the game to base like what your hype speech is going to be or what you tell your team or, or how you break it down if you're like a captain on a team. Mm-hmm. All right. I like, I like that breakdown. Kyle, how about yourself? That's a good breakdown. I'm thinking more of like when I get to the meadows, what do I tell my squad to motivate yeah. them or keep them loose? I'm more of keeping my guys loose as opposed to getting them very amped. So what mm-hmm. I'll tell a guy like Jackson, like who's a rookie in this league, he's like barely a teenager. I'm just like, where else would you rather be? We're playing wiffle ball for for fun. Uh, like who? Like where else would you rather be right now? Let's have some fun, like just to get them hyped. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I just like to just set the get set the context and just mm-hmm. just lay it all out there. For yeah, me. I think playing relaxed is is it important. I like I like to keep everybody relaxed. Any uh, motivational quotes that stand out to you? I would say just I don't even know if it's motivational but just trust your instincts. Don't think about it too much. Don't overthink when you when you play whatever sport it is that you play. Mm-hmm. Just trust your training, know what you can do. I think Jack said this line on the previous podcast last week or 2 weeks ago but know what you can do. Like uh, that just that just really hits home know for me. Know what you can do. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So when you're out on the field just just remember your training and all your practice and all your hours that went into it and just trust well, that's the problem trust is your instincts this asking for a friend what if what you once could do you can no longer do then what do you do <laughs> scramble <laughs> in that case you regroup yeah and you find a new role in that case you, you trade away your best player you, for two picks can do well side note i'm retiring <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> i don't know you didn't hear me tom what? I was like, in that case, well, sell your, s- send your best player to the uh, up-and-coming <laughs> team and get two picks out of it. Yeah, I mean, That hey, could work, too. Yeah, that might, could always work. work. That's, that's what you do I, in that I'll, case. I'll admit it. In terms of saying motivational quotes, I guess I got to be better. Trevor's saying it's fun playing for Jack and all this stuff. Maybe maybe I'm not I'm not getting the boys hyping up. I, like I said, I, I try to keep it light and like have fun. And part of the problem is I let yeah. the distractions of the, the video and stuff get to me. And, you know, there's only so much time before a game. And, and then the next thing you know, it's like, all right, Tommy, get in the batter's box. we got to go. Yeah. So I mean, it's hard. I'm, I'm in that position, but too. But, Kyle, it's you probably do a lot better job than I do, than I do of, of balancing that. And you even have more to do than I than I do at the field. I'm saying yeah, do a lot. But, honestly, at the um, field, you do, like, the same yeah. same amount as me, honestly. But um, So, yeah, I guess I have to improve on that. But in terms of motivational quotes that inspired me, uh, yeah, I don't really know if, like... I think just leave it all out in the field is a good one, too. Just, like, don't regret, like... Mm-hmm. Holding it in and I feel like when the you're on the field. Quotes that have stuck with me the most in life, like aren't necessarily like motivational. I guess they are, but like they're not like for sports, like yeah, getting hyped before a game. More like philosophical motivation or like long term type stuff that makes sense. Um like one I've always liked, it's very simple. I don't really know where this quote came from, probably multiple people, but 
rather deal with oh well than what if. That's a great quote. It's a good one. It's, it's, you it's try, one. try something that doesn't work out, it's an oh well. But if you never try, then you're thinking at night, oh, what Ask if, for what forgiveness, if not permission. <laughs> <laughs> that one can work too. <laughs> or it might end you up in jail. I don't know. So, uh, what about you miss 100% of the shots you don't take? Yep. Wayne Gretzky, Michael, Michael Scott. Scott. That's been probably the most influential quote of my entire life. But, um, yeah, I, I take that with me everywhere for sure. I play this I, line in my head like every single day. You literally never know what's going to happen the next day, so you might as well just trust your gut and go with you, whatever you think's right. I think that quote was first told me by Daniel Soltz talking about his experience at Dave & Buster's when he goes, <laughs> literally anything can happen. Anything That's can happen true. in life, so just anything can live it how you life. want it. That is crazy. I don't know. I feel like a lot of us, like, sometimes in good ways, sometimes in bad ways, like write our own script for us before things even happen. But at the end of the day, you wake up tomorrow and do whatever you want. I mean... There's really no rules. No there rules. is. There's laws. We're in our twenties. We're learning this. You can do whatever you want. You can really do whatever you want when you think about it. At the end of the day, people you drag about, you drag on about school, about work, about this and that. Well, if you hate it so much, stop doing it. Do something else. Look at me, know. guys. I I grew up playing wiffle ball in my front yard, and I just was hitting home runs off Pedro Martinez. You can do whatever yeah. you want. How's that TikTok doing, by the way? It's I doing like, great. It's doing great. Yeah. I like that TikTok. It was good. I know. Nice and short and sweet, but inspirational. Showed the involvement of a young Kyle Schultz. I've I've been a, a not on the podcast or anything like that, but I've been a well-known anti-TikToker amongst mm-hmm. my friends and the league members. I say I never go on TikTok, even though I probably should because we have a big page on there. But I've just been anti, anti, anti. But I've made the mistake recently of on Instagram every once in a while I'll click on the little magnifying glass, the explore page thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever it is, and um, and I think I just clicked on a couple too many pieces of food. And now every day I sit there for a good 10, 15 yep. minutes just looking at food. And oh my God, I that get reminds so hungry. That reminds me of the TikTok for you page. So it's not TikTok. I'm not on TikTok yet. Still don't go on that. Yeah. But Instagram it's Reels, a, I guess you'd call them. No, but it's it's sim- got me for food. <laughs> That's all I watch is food. Nothing awesome. else. Only food content. That's a similar idea That's though. Mine. Like if you were to like a, a cooking video on TikTok, you'll like mm-hmm. in your For You page the next well, few days, you'll is, get a bunch of cooking videos. I don't even videos. like them. It was just from the course of maybe a week, it was like one day I had one like piece if, of food on there. Then yeah. Four days later, it was just food yep. everywhere. And I was like, oh, my God. And yep. Everything just looks so good from desserts to appetizers to entrees, just I mean, everything. Those robots at Instagram, they know how to get so, you. Man, that got me so good, dude. It got me so good. <laughs> it's unbelievable. You got you hooked. But I'm off topic a little bit. But, yeah, motivational quotes, I kind of said I'm more of like a philosophical guy. But um, I'm trying to think. I feel like more There's so. There's so like, many that go through my head. I'm just forgetting yeah. right now, especially with me trying to get a video out every single week. I need everything I can get. I think this is actually, this is funny. Noah's not going to hear this, but you guys should set, like snippet this and send it to Noah because he'll laugh. One quote that he told me his high school basketball coach would say, which Kyle, this is a Grice quote, which you didn't remember, by the way. I but it's would. actually very true and applicable. And if me and Noah stop laughing about it, which I don't think I laugh about it too much. I do use this, but he says, sometimes you got to go to work when you're tired. <laughs> and that's true. If you, if you, if every time you're tired or not feeling so good and you didn't go to the gym or didn't do so, like something you love to do or want to get better at, those times add up. Yep. It's all about the compound interest. You need to do it every day you are physically able to, and over time you'll get better and better and better. So sometimes you just got to go to work when you're tired. It's funny you mentioned compound interest, Tom. I was going to give a, a financial motivation oh, quote please or do, just yeah. some insight. I love financial I believe insight. Albert Einstein said this. About the concept of compound interest, he said, those who do not know, pay it, and those who know, earn it. Those who do not know, pay it, and those who do know, earn it. Talking about compound interest, because it's a very, mm. it's a very uh, important concept when it comes to finances. And a lot of people just don't understand it. 
I feel like I feel like I'm be honest with you. I don't really understand that quote. I understand the concept of compound interest, but expl- can you put it in different words? Or I just it's just not clicking for me. Um, I don't know. Those well, I'm gonna think I'm gonna sleep on this and then break it down for you guys next week. If well, I, I just remind, it out. That, well, that, that's like investments. Those like if you who, know about investments, you're gonna earn your rewards. But if you don't know about, it, you're gonna pay. Pay. But what are you? How are you paying in compound? I don't know. This you're paying is, the you're stuff like, you leave out. You're on. like paying for it by not knowing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Oh, not physically so, paying, but you're paying for it. Yeah, like, you're paying for it. Those who do not know pay for it. Those it's like who stocks do know, or investments, earn it. I think. Here, so, I'll tell you. Interest. I'll tell. Here you go. This is the exact quote. To give, uh, to give him credit. Compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. He who understands it earns it. He who doesn't pays it. I lo- okay now I'm that's clicking now, yeah, yeah man got it got to invest early I got I got money everywhere it's working all the time it's just pennies at this point but it's <laughs> building up yeah I've done pretty good this year I've done pretty good this year Tesla's going up I got a Tesla share a couple different nice. a couple different crypto coins I'm up on and uh, hey small gains now that'll be big gains in my thirties let me tell you something it adds up baby and compound interest Jack's gonna make me a millionaire because he's a financial wizard and the next thing I know I'll be Somewhere on an island, and I'll be just looking back on my amazing life, thanks to Jack Agner, my my good buddy. All because of these motivational quotes and podcasts. All because, sessions. and then I'm going to be on this island, and some some uh, drifter's going to pull up on a little sailboat and say, who are you? And I'm just going to say, those who don't know, pay it. <laughs> those who do know, earn it. I'm going to walk back into the woods. There's a coming in from the western front <laughs> all right guys i actually wanted to talk about this for a long time it's been weighing heavily on my chest um you know what's actually pretty scary i was talking about instagram food eating is a scary topic i recently was informed about a friend of a friend of a friend distant relative friend thing that actually was a healthy woman had children who tragically passed away from choking on her dinner. Is that not the most horrible thing you've ever heard in your life? And now every time I eat, Dang. I'm just like, this could be it. Yeah. This next bite of pasta, like, that could be it for me. It's going to make me start thinking about the fundamentals of eating. I mean, how terrible is that? That just a human essential of eating Do we know the food? end in the end of your life. I don't know what the substance was that caused do, the, the do tragic Do you know what accident. the most deadly food is? I, I know exactly what the most deadly food is. It's a Bosco stick in a cafeteria. Bosco sticks, school. those will get you. Those things, I'm telling you, we may have talked about this in the podcast That's before, I'm not sure. Those are in place for population control, and you can't <laughs> convince me otherwise, dude. Those things are deadly. You can't tell me if you grew up went to an elementary school in the U.S. that you didn't have a kid choking on a Bosco stick at least once a week. Those two that come in like the little white and red bag. Yes, I've had this conversation with my friends multiple times, because the problem is, is the cheese yeah. doesn't break. So you, you, take no. a, you take a bite of the end of the yeah. bread... You rip it off, and like, so you have bread in your mouth, and you're chewing, but your cheese is still attached. Then you just go for a little bit more cheese. You're I chewing know, that up. Then you keep going for more cheese. Then you try to swallow the bread that's in your mouth that you've already chewed up, which is still attached to the cheese in the bottom. It's a dangerous game. It's a and dangerous next thing game. You, know, you got cheese going down your throat, and you're choking. <laughs> you look over, and Johnny from your elementary school class is on his hands and knees, gagging a Bosco stick, fighting for his life. I mean, it's horrible. Why are they? Oh why are they made God. like that? Why can't we make it so the cheese no, dude, breaks I've, off easier? I've had that experience. I feel like every kid has in like elementary. Or middle well, I've school. definitely choked a couple times. You're thinking in your head. You're trying to play it cool because it's kind of embarrassing when you're coughing at the table and your face is beat red. 
in your head, you're like, this, this I may, is it. You're like, I messed this up. This could be it. You're like, I messed up bad. <laughs> <laughs> you're thinking about, you just can't get rid of the cheese. Because even if you break it off with your hands Dude, at that point, you're still, it, it, still lodged in your throat. It's the price you have to pay, though, because those Bosco sticks are good. Honestly, thinking back on it, the, the thought about tasting one of those makes me want to gag. But in the heat of the moment, I got to that cafeteria so and caught bad. a whiff of those Bosco sticks. Yeah. And, man, my hair stood up. I was so excited to devour a couple of Bosco sticks. But, I mean, that's... There was a Reddit article, which I couldn't, I tried to find for this episode, couldn't find it, but it, it was someone, like, with hilarious dialogue describing a time they choked on a Bosco stick, and it was the funniest thing, but I had an experience choke, I've seriously choked one time, have you guys ever choked before, like, bad, bad? Not really, I feel no. like no. One time in my life. Which is surprising, because I not choked. chew my food very well. I know, well, now that you heard someone passed away, isn't that freaky? Yeah, like, now I'm going to yeah, start, yeah, I'm going to pay more I know, attention. That's to horrible, man, so horrible, but... One time, I'll never forget this day, because to this day, this is the only time I've ever seriously choked and been concerned about my health and safety. I was on the bus riding to Michigan's Adventure as a school field trip in fifth what grade? I believe was fifth grade. That yeah. was the funnest yeah. bus ride of my life. The day that it rained. Were you there for that yes. day? Okay, so the same day. I want a jackpot in their arcade. Me and Kyle were both there together. And I was sitting next to my buddy, Andrew Gorick, I think, long time ago, Pacific Predator. Yep. And I was eating... Why was I already eating a sandwich? Must have been a hungry kid. I was eating a sandwich in the morning. It was a turkey sandwich. I had a half sandwich in there, so I didn't get hungry. And we're, like, almost to the park. Like, we, we're within 10 minutes. So I'm, like, excited. Eat the sandwich. I'm going to go ride some roller coasters. And it had, like, a piece of romaine lettuce on it. But this is just, you know, a homemade sandwich that's been sitting smushed in this bag. So it's not, like, a very lively piece of lettuce. just a thin sheet of lettuce, kind of tasteless, just kind of on there. And... Eating my sandwich, eating my sandwich, and then I kind of start, I start coughing. I'm like, oh, God, what's going on? And I start, like, really coughing, and then I, like, I'm having the gag reflex. I'm like, like, you know, like, I'm about to throw up. Like, I'm, my body's gagging. Like, it's trying to get it out. And I thought I had it, and then, no, another gag, another dry heave. And I'm kind of, like, laughing because I'm embarrassed, but I'm like, oh, my God, this is, this is happening. And my friend's like, oh, Tom, are you good? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and they're like, like, I'm dry heaving, trying to get this lettuce out. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is so bad. This went on for probably 60 to 90 seconds. Like, I'm full-on panicked in the seat of this bus. I'm not causing a scene or anything, but I'm panicking at this point. What actually ended up happening is I'm dry-heaving and dry-heaving, trying to get this out. I'm, like, spitting on the floor of this bus. Disgusting. I actually had to reach into my throat and essentially pull out... I pull out this piece of lettuce that was probably eight inches long. Jesus. It was like a piece of lettuce was torn off across the whole sandwich. And was just stuck in my throat. And I just pulled it out like a hair. But it wasn't a hair. It was a thin, probably quarter inch by eight inches piece of lettuce. Just extracted it from my throat. All my friends who were laughing were like, oh my god, he was actually choking. I was like, yeah, I almost just died. It was so scary. It was legitimately uh, scary. That's crazy. How did you get to the point? Like, it was, you were literally like, I'm just going to stick my finger down my throat and just pull it out. I feel like that's did someone, like, tell offense. you to do that? No, no, no. I just, like, went back with one. I was freaking out, Jack. I was like. <clears throat> I was like nine, ten years old, yeah. fifth grade. I was 11, ten. 10 11. I was. I couldn't breathe. I was choking. What else do you want me to do? Oh my god! It was either, if I couldn't get it, I would have had to yell. I would have had to like raise my hand or tell my friends to get help because I was. I couldn't breathe. I was choking. I was panicking so bad. Well, kudos to you for solving the but like the problem right the, there. The Bosco sticks I've choked on before, but never like like it's always a ten seconds and it's resolved type thing. I've never like been dry heaving like that before. So my advice to anyone listening to this podcast is. Chew your food. Chew it thoroughly. Chew your food. Chew your food. But I don't know. I also, I talked to you guys about my pizza burning issue. Um, I did literally the exact same thing two nights ago. And I even asked. I was in Bloomington, Indiana with Nate Lies and his friend, uh, my friend, I should say, too, Aaron. 
and um, we were we got pizza after the football game. Real quick, there was a pizzeria downtown Bloomington. It wasn't busy. Everyone else had to wait. Like, let's get pizza and get on the road. And we get the pizzas. They look hot. They look real hot. The cheese looks really gooey still, steam coming off. And I turn to Nate and I say, yo, are these super hot? And he goes, nah, they're good. <laughs> I, I take a bite of my pizza. And I'm like, oh, God, they're really hot. And it was a barbecue chicken pizza. Just scalded me. We were on the way home. We got a snack at a gas station. Buds. And yeah, it, it's not my taste buds. It's the roof of my mouth. When you bite into a crispy pizza like that, you bite it and it goes straight up onto your roof. And then you're screwed. Yeah, it's really know. like the the cheese is hot, but I feel like it's more the it's sauce. The sauce. It's, the, it was the it's the barbecue the sauce, sauce that like once it like once you smush it in your mouth and then the sauce hits the roof of your mouth, it's it's game over. It is because then what do you do? You can't get it off. You can try and drink water. Right? Yeah, that's you can't do the like thing that we talked about before where you're like trying to cool it down in your mouth. But yeah, <laughs> you can't do that when the sauce is just pasted on the roof of your mouth. Kyle, what's your least favorite thing about eating, if anything? I don't know, being disappointed in the taste, maybe. Disappointed? Yeah, that is Maybe you order something cool on a menu, and it just tastes so much different than what you're thinking in your mind it's going to taste like. Yeah, I don't go out to eat that much. That's so true. Like, when you're at... When you, take a, when you take a risk at a restaurant and it doesn't mm-hmm. work in your favor, it's like, oh, God, that was... Like, what, took what, an L. This happened to me plenty of times at Michigan State, especially in the early months last year when I was first starting to cook, where maybe I overcooked a chicken a little bit. It was a little dry. Like, yeah, you're disappointed, but it's like, okay, it's just me. Like, I'm not yeah. going to complain here. You win some, you lose some. Yeah. But yeah, when you're out to eat, and you're like you're like excited to be out, and then you get your food, and you're kind of disappointed. It definitely does. That's a thorn in your side. It sucks. Yeah, I was thinking about this um, at a restaurant the other day. Like, let's just say in theory, you you had all the ingredients or like all the resources to make whatever you wanted to. Like, you could either go out to eat and get it, or you could make it at home. Mm-hmm. Like, is there a line that you draw? Because I feel, at least personally, especially as I've gotten into cooking a little bit more as I've gotten older, I just feel like home cooked food is so much better. Like oh, it's agree. always nice. It's always nice going to a restaurant, but nothing really beats like home home cooked food. So, do you guys have like a line of where it's like, I'm not even gonna try to make that. Like mm-hmm. I would just go get that to eat, or like I'm definitely <laughs> going out to eat for that. I mean, I don't cook at all, so I'm going out to eat no matter what. Yeah, see, I cook. Uh, fair Tommy's, enough, fair enough. Tommy's more of a chef. I'm, oh, first of all, I am not a chef. I'm the most boring cook ever. But I did cook 98% of my meals at Michigan State, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. When I say cooked, I mean, like, basically I was just cooking dinner because breakfast would be just, like, scrambled eggs, which is super easy, or, like, cereal. And then lunch was, like, a sandwich, like, you know, which is lunch meat. So I wasn't really right. cooking anything there. But dinner, I would cook up, you know, just chicken breasts, a vegetable, and, like, a pasta side or rice, something like that. But where's the line drawn? You know, I think when you're craving pizza, if you want, like, a good pizza, you got to go out to, like, we talk about Buddy's. Like, Buddy's pizza is so good. Um, instead of just, like, getting carry out or, you know, a frozen pizza, that's not going to do it for me. But, like, any yeah. pa- any pasta dish, yes, it's better at a restaurant, but I feel like pasta is kind of hardest. If you have a good sauce, like, you could store by, you can do that at home kind of thing, but, like, you can't beat a good Italian, I guess. I don't know. For me, I guess it just comes down to... I like eating at home. I, I hate c- cooking is fine, and eat, the food's usually decent, but the cleanup process does suck. But also just, like, being at home, it's something about just the comfort of being at home and not, like, being out in a social environment. And I wouldn't consider myself, like, a social butterfly, like I said before. So I, I love eating at home, especially when it's cooked by somebody else. Like, now that I'm actually home, home, like, from back at home with my parents, just me and them two. Um, I mean, I definitely say there's a lot of cons of living at home when you're 22 years old. But one pro is that your parents, hopefully, still cook for you, which is the case for me right now. So 
Sure, every once in a while, Denise will cook up a mediocre meal. Sorry, Mom. But she also makes a, cu- a couple good meals where I'm like, wow, this is really good. So Isn't, isn't that amazing how it just always tastes better when someone else cooks it? Oh, it, especially, like I said, I swear, someone that's else a, cleans that's a it. Fact. But now I always feel guilt. Like when I was a kid, I would never really do dishes or anything like that. My chores were basically just like keeping my room clean, cutting the grass occasionally, and getting the trash out. The trash out is what I get yelled at for all the time, not taking out the trash. Yep. But now... Cause you know, my dad's not lifting a finger. He's not cleaning any dishes. So now when my mom cooks, which is pretty much every night, um, I always feel obligated to help her clean up and do dishes and load the dishwasher, unload the dishwasher. So it's a grind, but at the end of the day, I'm getting free meals, um, and she's cooking them for me, so I can't really complain. I do buy, we're always running out of avocados at the house, and I like to have an avocado every day. So I'm always going to the store and buying avocados and bananas. I provide those for the family. But other than that, my, my parents keep it stocked pretty well. Good for you, Tom. Taking some initiative. Taking some initiative. What else did I have to buy? My dad always cons me into buying crap for him. It's <laughs> hilarious. Like he plays, he plays the lottery, Michigan lottery. Worst investment you could ever make in your life. Because even if you win the lottery, I don't really know what the benefit of that is. Besides, you just stumbled upon millions of dollars, which somewhat sound good. But you hear a lot about horror stories from that people who end up depressed or blow it all. Like I don't know. I don't think I'd ever want to win a lottery that big, to be honest with you. But that's a different discussion. But anyway, we're at we were going home from Planet Fitness a couple days ago. He's like, oh, it's lottery night. I got to get my lottery tickets. And I'm like, oh, you're such an idiot. You've been doing this for 10 years now. Look at all that money you could have saved. We get to 7-Eleven. He goes, I don't have any cash on me. You got a 10? I go, yeah, sure. Just bought his lottery tickets. I never saw that 10 bucks back. It's like, dude, (laughs) what are you doing? And then we were out to dinner a couple nights, or not nights ago, like weeks ago. And he's like, when are you going to buy me dinner one of these nights? I'm like, dude, if I would have bought you dinner, I would have went to the store and got us dinner and cooked this at home. I'm trying to save money. That's why I'm living home is to save money. But I don't know. That's the whole point, Dad. So I don't buy lotto tickets, and so I don't buy you food. <laughs> or, like, there was one time, too, we were going up north, and he's like, Tom, can you go get to fill up the car with gas? I'm like, yeah, sure, no problem. I go do it, and I'm not really expecting anything in return, but, like, you think a dad would be like, oh, here's some money for the gas you bought for the whole family to go up north with. No, he's, his kid's got a job. That's what he'll say. It's like, all right, thanks, Dad. What a good guy. But it's made me appreciate the value of a dollar more, I guess, so maybe it's good parenting. I don't know. Where do you think it's... Yeah. Where, where do you think you draw the line, Jack? Like, is it um, you spoil with your like kids? going out to eat? No, no, no. I mean, more so like with your kids, like when to spoil them, when to make them get things on their own. Because I've seen, I feel like, both sides of the spectrum from like different friends that I have or personal experiences. I don't really know. Yeah, I, I think that um, I would probably follow a similar path of like, I think both our parents were kind of pretty similar. It was basically the idea of like, if you want something, you're going to have to earn it like you're either mm-hmm. gonna have to work for it or you're gonna have to save and buy it yourself mm-hmm. which is i don't know i feel like the younger generation now like it's gonna be difficult because it's like now everyone in fourth grade has a freaking smartphone mm-hmm. when like i had to save up and like buy a smartphone and i felt so cool when i was like that's a you good know, one feeling, of the first though. people to have it yeah like because i worked feeling. for it yeah. and i was like you know mm-hmm. If you could believe it, an iPhone used to be like 400 bucks. And I was mm-hmm. like, 400 bucks, here we go. Bought myself yeah. an iPhone. Now it's a thousand. And yeah, now it's just like, you know, I feel like parents uh, are a lot more likely to succumb to like the, the uh, mm-hmm. not peer pressure, but like the pressure from their kids of saying like, oh, Jimmy's got one. Yeah, I know. Got one. That is hard you as a parent I mean? though. It's like. But that's difficult. Like I, I can't, I can't say that I wouldn't react in a different way because I, I haven't been in that situation yet. It's definitely got to be a so. balance. Like you want your kid to be happy at the end of the day, but you can't also give them whatever they want, the snap of their fingers, because that just creates, I feel like, a horrible 
dynamic. I don't know. So well, I that's think the it's, thing it's is, yeah, that's the thing is like, it's a balance between them being like maybe a little bit happier in their childhood, but when you didn't teach them harder life lessons when they're young, they might not be mm-hmm. as happy when they're older because mm-hmm. they're struggling with something that you maybe didn't drill home hard enough. Yeah, yeah. I um, that's why I was <laughs> back to the phone in the lake story. I've been saying to my friends like when I got my iPhone ten like three years ago. I got that as a birthday gift, and I was like, I know I need to keep this one for a long time and not break because I know the next phone is going to be me buying it and not my parents. And then sure enough, dropped that phone in a lake, and now the new iPhone's $1,000. So it actually is on my mom's bill, but I've, I've sent her the money for it every single month on the 15th so far. I think I'm five months in. 40 bucks a month, man. Just I didn't drop that phone in the lake. I don't have to pay up. that yet. It does add up. It sucks, but oh well. Oh, well. Well, we've been chatting for about an hour or so. Uh, people are probably getting sick of my voice. I know I'm pretty horrible sounding. So I guess I'll wrap it up here before I get any more hate comments. I uh, appreciate you guys tuning in, as always. Kyle, thank you for joining us on the show tonight. Appreciate you, boys. Jimbo, shout out to my man, Jimmy, for calling in tonight. And uh, Dirty Dan, I guess for now, it's just a stalemate between you and me, buddy. Maybe one of these days we'll be able to hang out and uh, break some bread together. So until then, we will see you guys next time. Peace. See you, Jim. See you, Jim. See you, Kyle. See you, Jake. See you. He says, see you. Thanks, Jim. He hung up. He knows the routine. He hung right up. He goes, Tom's got work to do. I love it. I love it. <laughs> what a good man.